What's up, everyone? I'm Benny Guadarrama. Welcome back to another episode of Founders Party, where I interview rockstar founders about their startups, their mission and vision, and the journey thus far. Today, I'm very excited and very happy to be talking to Dan Bork, who's the founder of Two Marshmallows. Dan, how's it going today? Great, Benny. I'm glad that uh, we got to connect. And uh, I have this is the huge honor of doing a real podcast, um, you know, one-on-one. I, I started my own kind of solo podcast, which this weekend I'm about to release some some more stuff. So I guess I'll plug that a bit later. But uh, no, I'm happy to have a real chat and uh, have this recorded. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad to have you here, man. I'm glad we connected and we've been uh, talking for the past few weeks and having some events together. So that's always fun. And uh, yeah, excited to learn more about what you're building and your podcast that you said that you're going to mention later. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what Two Marshmallows is just to get started? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Two Marshmallows is, is basically online immersion. I'm initially focused on K-12 education. And uh, it's really focused on improving real world speaking results, not just the theory and uh, helping kids have fun in the process of learning languages. So it's a very peer-to-peer model where students will exercise what they're learning in the classroom or from other apps and vendors that help with vocabulary and training. I'm not going to name any names yet, uh, but let's uh, let's apply this in the real world. Let's have some conversations with friends. Cool. That sounds interesting. Um, there are a lot of language learning platforms out in the market today. What do you think differentiates or I guess, you know, differentiates two marshmallows. In other words, you know, what's the user experience like? What's, what's the difference? Right. Well, well, the difference is that like, I'll, I'll give you a bit of background on, on my past. Like I was top of class in French. I'm from Canada, Niagara region. And so I, I crushed all the grammar and conjugating verbs. And uh, I mean, it wasn't just that too. There was some other content there, but I just never had the opportunity to use French. I never got to speak it um, with peers or any friends of similar age, I would only hear kind of the teacher say it a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I dabbled a bit, uh, with, uh, Croatian, um, uh, like just a, when I was young, kind of a few words here and there, but then I seriously started to learn in 2016. And that's what got me into the game because before going to meet my cousins in Croatia, I, um, bought a book and then I found some other app that, that had Croatian, which was kind of like a vocab trainer, helped with a bit of grammar to give me a base knowledge before being fully immersed in language and culture in, in the country. But when I came back home, I was losing my progress. So, um, mm-hmm. it led me to try to find, um, Croatians online, help them with English in return, kind of like a barter. So the, the experience is like, Hey, I need to find locals or native speakers that are motivated to speak to me on a regular basis. So how can I add value? back to them. And then I found a lot of these um, um, dime a dozen uh, kind of different types of apps and communities. Some of them are okay, kept longing for better ones. And after experiencing the gaps and the problems with them and using all these other resources, like listening to music, YouTube videos, um, you know, all these other apps that you're probably thinking of that help with kind of content, I thought, why not bring a more professional, secure solution to K-12 education? A, because the kids are already learning. B, we, we know where to find them. It's a little bit easier. C, they just have more time, higher neural pl- uh, plasticity. They learn um, easier. And then, you know, D, they they have uh, their, their educators, which are like my kind of organic student success motivators uh, to help them out with that. So our process is only allowing credible educators from credible institutions to, to sign up. And once vetted, only they can enroll their class so that we control for a K-12 exclusive community uh, to start off. Right. That's awesome. And so, yeah, there was a Forbes article that came out. I forgot when. 
but uh, the exact date, but it was talking about how can tech, um, how can tech help or solve uh, language learning problems? And so the article pretty much brings up a question that was pulled from Quora, and the person who answered it had said that you know a large part of language learning. Well, at least before tech was involved, was you go to a library and you find a private tutor, or you actually go to a country that speaks the language, but most people can't do that. And so, and because that's where the immersion is. And so, you know, finding tech, getting tech that can almost resemble the immersion that you would get from in-person interaction between the languages is significant, I feel. Um, There are a lot of podcast i mean podcast there are a lot of uh, language learning platforms that um mm-hmm. i feel maybe lack a little bit of personalization and um i've used a couple and um i feel that it's they're good tools for when you want to practice extra but they're not that good at telling you if you're actually doing it right for example on duolingo which is the most common i'll i'll you know like repeat like something they asked me to say and i say it in the best version that i can and they say good job well i don't i don't really know if i did a good job (laughs) you know i I, i'm not too sure if that's if i you know if my if my pronunciation if the way i you know frame the sentence sounded right but um anyway uh, that's just me rambling but um tell me a little bit about yeah maybe about how you're reaching your potential users or how you're uh, maybe getting your vetted, you know, instructors to come onto the platform. How does that work? Yeah, well, I'm I'm still pretty early. It's it's. I think that's a different discussion. Kind of just my strategy, how I'm building, you know, my startup. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have very strong, incredibly strong proof of concept from over 50 K-12 language educators um, that I interviewed after uh, connecting uh, French immersion students on my own um, on uh, mm-hmm. a, a Slack alternative called Flock. And I saw this, like I've been, in, I did the things that didn't scale early, went into parents' homes, got that permission. And I could have done, been more of a like manual consultant, right? Like just grown that and connected more kids. And, and you know, you get a bit of diminishing returns because once I heard that the, the educators were already doing class to class connects with like Belgium, France, and Quebec um, for French in Canada, and then LATAM with, with uh, Spanish English exchange from the US. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they gave me very detailed things of like, this is what the, the kids love the social learning. It's more practical. It's more fun. But like, we can't organize this all the time, right? So if you can make a more secure one-to-one regular, um, you know, a, a opportunity for these kids, um, that would be phenomenal. And so none of them disagree that it's, it's all like, you just got to do it. You're going to have to execute. And, you know, I, you know, I kind of overanalyze. It's very much my baby. It's uh, my first startup and tends to be a bit of a, well, I mean, not tends to be, it is a quite complex kind of business model to, to, to execute, but coming back to like originally, I think you said how I'm going about to, to get initial um, users and really uh, prove the, the, the real product market fit going for that weekly retention, showing that the students are coming back, they're using it. That's the core of this and, and the hardest part to sell. Like anyone can really sell concepts. I think sometimes you can get money from that. Uh, and depending on what it is, if you're a pure consumer, people get excited, they put some money down, but then they start using it. How do we know this is not just going to be a cute trend? How do we know that this is not going to be done after a year, right? And the fact that languages are learned every year at school and have multi-stakeholder influence, it's a recurring engine, a recurring model, you know, built in. And we just have to make this fun, you know, for the students. And so, but before breaking into, let's say the public system or going in through institutions, 
Um, I, I ended up connecting with a great partner that is focused on heritage languages. So cultural preservation, immigrants. This is how I started, you know, with Croatian, my dad's native language, because I didn't learn from young. Uh, my mom is Ukrainian background and, and same with my wife. So with mixed families, they don't want to really sometimes force one language or over the other. Even when they're both of the same culture, it can be difficult. Sometimes their kids uh, understand it well. They're not good at speaking it. Um, so that's where I really want to start. This is lower hanging fruit weekend schools. Um, there's the vetting will be a little bit more lengthy. Like you said, you have like, sorry, like I said earlier, um, doing things that don't scale. I do believe this. Like, I think like you should never stop completely doing things that don't scale. Even I think when you're looking at growing and you're in scale phase, like you do sometimes have to just go visit maybe a parent or, or a customer something that you can't do to all of them just to stay humble and, and get those insights. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at capping to my first thousand students. They're they're ready to go. And, um, you know, the way I built just a little bit on, on kind of my strategy is I decided to outsource first uh, early product because it's just tech enabled to start. Right? This is just like a secure kind of invite only communication platform essentially is what it is, right? We vet the educators, they onboard, and we have a seamless way, you know, um, for, to connect the educators to other educators as a peer-to-peer -peer model. They can optionally facilitate class-to-class -class interaction like they've the ones that are extracurricular leaders that have given me this, this feedback. But really the core user experience is, hey, once you're vetted, you, all you have to do is onboard your students to Marshall mellows is making the secure connections to other relevant peers and done. And then we're going to push you student by student learning outcomes so that you can actually see at a granular level on um, how your students are individually performing. And that's going to save them incredible amounts of time versus doing kind of after like a couple weeks doing student by student checkups to see where they're at with the language. It's, it's very difficult when teachers are doing 20 to 30 uh, kids and trying to, you know, help them um uh, at a granular basis yeah definitely that that's it's good that they save time with that because i think one of the most complicated things about language learning is first of all it's staying on track staying consistent but it's also being able to dedicate the sufficient amount of time to you know to to actually learning this and like you said a one teacher for 30 students it's difficult for teaching any subject so i think you know, right. I mean, you, you can do that, but it's also, um, it's also good to have someone that's, you know, that has been there. They, they know it, you know, fluently, they know how to, to teach it, um, most importantly, and, and, and get that, that feedback and, and be able to just improve that language learning. Um, and could, could you talk a little bit about the day that you thought to yourself with full conviction, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. And also why two marshmallows? Like wh that's an interesting name. I like it. Um, but what's the significance behind it? Thanks. Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely here to stay. I've, I've gotten a lot of interest there. It's the, it was inspired from the Stanford uh, marshmallow test of delayed gratification uh, because learning a language is not going to happen overnight, right? You have to be committed. And, uh, and, and so the, the overarching theme of my company is to make delayed gratification easier. So any kind of difficult long-term projects, um, we're all about, another kind of one-liner I have is helping students enjoy learning, not just the outcome. Because if we're only going to school to get the grades, to learn something, to then get a job to make money, and and we just kind of, for lack of better terms, suck it up, uh, that's why you're seeing the great resignation and people just, they're questioning, like, what am I doing? 
what I what I really want to do. And so if work is the majority of our lives, we have to find a way to kind of gamify that to to pick things that we enjoy. Uh, but with that being said, being a founder, right, there's a lot of things that I don't love, like I don't, I'm not good at everything. But in early on, you just have to get through it. Uh, but the thing is, we don't want to do that for the majority of our lives, we have to just kind of get through the hard thing so we can get the resources to then get like help, or other resources or talent or whatever, um, you know, to fill those gaps. So that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's, I, you know, I found something that is personal to me. It's not easy. Um, I know that there's other business models out there. There's other products there that satisfy instant gratification that are quick and easy, good for them. Uh, you know, that's not me. And I'm not looking for investors that want a quick flip or like very rapid results. Um, it's going to take time to really prove this hardcore, real product market fit. And once we get a solid tight formula, a um, lot of ways that we can kind of grow this and, and go to market and do user exit acquisition. I think it's my job to just get the resources, hire amazing talent to help me execute, solve the unique problem, and then and then yeah, we can get other people to um, that have much more experience with uh, with um, bringing this really to commercialization and, and true life. Yep, yep, and yeah, like you said, it's it's dangerous play when you're going to a class or a course or to learn something, but you're focused on the outcome. I think that's dangerous. And I think, you know, everything you said that it hinders people's future perspective of how things should go. If they're just focused on, on, oh, you know, I got to get there. What will I get when I get there? It's going to be amazing. And when, when they when they were so focused on that, they forget that the whole process was actually the cool part about it, you know, or they didn't even notice that that was, you know, the, the cool part of being absorbed and, and, and all of that. Um, and so, um, as someone who speaks two languages, Spanish and, and English, mm-hmm. um, what I get going into my next question is like, um, when, when, what, what are some, you know, first languages that you're going to be offering on your platform? I mean, I mean, you mentioned that you speak French, you know, Croatian and English, but you know, what's, I think you might've mentioned it before, but I probably missed it. Like what, what are some key languages or classes that are going to be taught? That's actually, that's a great question. And my French is very minimal. It's, it's a little bit better when I use the adult language exchange communities. Um, I met a, a guy from Paris that, uh, I, you know, I can't wait to meet him too. Like the, the other thing too is facilitating travel opportunities and all that as you make friends around the world, like he might do an exchange in Canada and then, and then we can hang out. But because I'm language agnostic, I'm not a content um, creator. And this is why I'm, there's a lot of white space here for me. I'm not competing with like the Duolingos or the classroom or, or tutors. I'll be promoting them. And, and really I want to stay um, uh, vendor agnostic so that there's not bias or anything because I used Mondly, right? The Duolingo alternative, uh, uh-huh. Babel, Memorize, Rosetta Stone. There's, there's, there's a bunch of these and some of the older ones like Rosetta Stone, like you might see them um, refreshing and, and, and things like that. I mean, I don't want to give too much into them. People can look, you know, make their own um, opinions. But uh, my focus is capping kind of that first thousand students around there. I mean, maybe we we, we go a little bit more if if, if there's some demand, but um, the initial focus is more North America, Latin, Europe. I have the European tie and stuff like that. But in this cultural kind of heritage languages, 
um, a group I'm part of, they uh, they have people even outside of this this initial focus. So if they're like, no, 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 like we have connections back home and like we want kids to learn, I'm not gonna be like, no, you can't. We're only doing Spanish and French first or like Croatian first. It's mm-hmm. uh, like there's other companies that have had an international first launch uh, mentality, uh, but they stayed small and they learned a nuance from these different regions and then they scaled up huge. And I mean, th- maybe next time too, like there's, there's, there's some couple examples we can even maybe go through like a case study I like to talk about. And so I've seen great success in this, but at the end of the day, early on startups do need to have some sort of focus. Mine is, is staying small. And, um, you know, uh, obviously like Spanish is a great early opportunity because with LATAM, the time zones in the U S that's kind of easier. There are ways to get around because I, I've like in, in Canada, for example, uh, some teachers, not only were they doing Quebec, they were, they were collaborating with Belgium and France. So, um, that will be nice because this way I actually get to learn, right. And you'll see more repeatability when you have different languages and different cultures. And then, um, as we learn this nuance, uh, we'll be, um, much uh, better ready to, to scale efficiently, uh, once we, once we solve for this nuance. Cool. Yeah. And that's right. You had mentioned, uh, heritage language. I, one language I'd love to learn, um, and it, it's the primary language that the Aztecs spoke was Nahuatl. I, I think it's, you know, it's a language that um, very few still speak in Mexico, but keeping it alive would be amazing. And I need to figure out a way how, how to learn that language because I think it'd be, well, yes, it's complicated, like learning every language, but I think it'd be something that I'd find I'd find beautiful just because, you know, it's my, my roots are, you know, in, in, in the Aztec culture. And so I think it'd be cool for sure. Um, and real quick, Benny, yeah. let's, I'm going to jot this down. I, this is something I want to learn because I forgot to mention indigenous languages. The thing is, it's Canada, US as well. A uh, little bit of a different opportunity there, uh, how we execute that model. But indigenous languages are also like a huge opportunity. Even I think it was, I, I should know, I believe it was 2019, like the UN, uh, they declared it was like the year of, uh, of indigenous languages. I'm going to double check that, um, mm-hmm. but whatever. I just had to throw it out. You don't have to always, always be perfect, but yes. So there's, yeah. thanks for, for throwing that in. We'll, we'll have to, to chat about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, cause I think they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're roots and there are people that still, you know, want to learn it and they still, or there are people that still speak it. And I think being able to, you know, connect these people has been, widely forgotten so there's definitely an opportunity there for sure um and going into my next question so you know two marshmallows sounds you know you know high potential it sounds that it is you know pretty much changing the way that a person feels immersed in learning a language and my question for you is when you look 10 years out into the future what do you envision for your company where, where do you see it amongst the market amongst its customers and and just the brand itself. Yeah, I like this. Um, so I think for me, starting off right is laser focused on the speaking outcomes, right? Or that even like we have instant messaging that's working. So any of that kind of writing, speaking, listening, the real time communication and use of the language. But like we hinted at earlier, it, like over those ten years, we're creating. Think of two marshmallows as really the personal trainer of language practice. We're creating a methodology and are going to promote all the other relevant complementary resources that uh, learners need 
to really execute this fast, like going zero to one to a language quickly, being fully immersed, going to the country, just speaking, that's not enough, right? You need the theory to merge theory and practice. And, but this is really the vision is like, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm a kid and I don't know, let's say I'm ninth grade. Uh, we even want to go younger because we're going to bake in like super great top security and uh, to make sure that we have privacy compliance and, and, and all that so we can get as, as young as we go. But uh, let's say I'm, I'm a kid in, in K-12, I, I log in and I literally can meet someone, whatever language I'm learning, wherever they are. Um, you know, in in the world, and we just hop in and, and have that conversation, and uh, they don't have to be sifting or searching for a long time. It's just like quickly getting that kid to maybe they were at. Um, I'll give you this a side story. Is uh, even even this was my experience. This is why I kind of talk about. It. I played this game. It was called like Metin Two, some like MMORPG game. Nobody at my school played this, like nobody. And so when you're limited in, we had like about 1,000, 1,100 kids. So maybe some kids that go to a 500 person school, they kind of hang out with kids, whatever. They go through the motion at school, but maybe they just don't have that super best friend that likes all the niche uh, things that they do, the unique things that, that they, they do. Uh, but the power and the network effect of having unique individuals coming in and we collect their interests and all these things, we can say, oh, someone just joined. You know, they like 95% of your interests and they actually play this Metin 2 game or whatever that that weird game is that you thought everyone made fun of you before. Uh, forget about everyone else. Forget about impressing people, right? We're getting global citizens here to be respectful, to learn cultures. You know, we mitigate the racism, the hate and all this. Now you're going to have more tolerance because you actually have friends of different cultures around the world. It's not just what you hear in the news or theory. And, and uh, you don't have to impress people. It's like, if they're going to be mean to you or this and that, you know, that's a whole different discussion of how we can manage abuse and, and cyberbullying, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we'll say that for another day, but it's, we're connecting you with people who are meant for you. Okay. Don't waste time with people that don't get you. You know, you can respect them, be nice to them, but you know what? Do not give it a second thought. You know, there's no impressing. We're going to connect kids with relevant peers. And this is the beauty at scale, right? When you have 100 people, sure, we can try to customize it. We can try to really search uh, you know, there. But when, once you have the ability to have rapid scaling and, and we get the popularity and we're ready to grow, that is where the real value comes in. So uh, it's, it's something I'm really excited about. And we're in a perfect time. Now, there's a lot of things that we can build like today that my engineers, hardcore engineers, uh, awesome advisors I have are saying, yeah, we can like do a lot of things you're, you want to do now. And with the high quality data we're collecting with a very uh, specific kind of um, focus that you have, uh, we think that we're going to be able to build this kind of AI and, and this unique IP on the back end, uh, which, you know, that's again, uh, another thing for another day. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that sounds exciting, man. I, I, you know, when you were describing all of that, I definitely see the big picture and I see how it can play out. I mean, it, it all makes sense. It, it, it sounds, you know, it sounds clear and sound. Uh, it sounds clear and sound. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, I listen, I wish you the best when you're building that, because like you said, it's not going to be an easy task. But um, if there's one man to do it, it's Dan Bork. And I know that for sure. So um, yeah, and, uh, you know, going into, into, you know, one of my well, it is my final question, but, and this is, you know, uh, you had mentioned the podcast earlier, but what's an ask that you have of the founders part of community, our listeners, you know, um, 
what what would you you know are you are you what are you what are you looking for you know your podcast listeners or you know yeah yeah that's i just plugged that right now like i just i had a good a good investor call um yesterday and even mentors earlier like i know you said what what was that thing to just get up and do it it's been very back and forth like a lot of self doubt like cuz this is like this this I, this idea this opportunity is triggering me like crazy but this is something that i have de-risked enough and i'm going to get the money like i need to get the money to get this to the next level and uh, so i'm full time going full tilt fundraising um really going for an end of april close right now so that's that's my main focus and then the second thing with my podcast i just had the idea of sharing kind of how i think um uh, little tidbits on different types of topics so then when we do future um, chats or Benny, when I bring you kind of on mine and have guests, like maybe it's one of those 30 seconds to three minute clips where I just share some thoughts on and then say, Hey Dan, I'd love to do a deeper dive on that. Let's have a chat about like what you were talking in your monologue podcast. So I haven't released stuff, um, too much lately just cause like, you know, I got to focus on what matters, uh, more focus on quality over quantity, um, because I can't have like a million projects going at the same time. But I just thought like, you know, now this is a perfect time to have a better segment where I kind of tell my story. So this is what I'm releasing this weekend. Uh, so I keep it more tight. I know we went on some runs here and stuff. It's my first kind of actual chat. So this is kind of, I kind of liked it though, because people get to see the nuance of my mind. I know a lot of times it's like, be crisp, be like, say this in like, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds and, and, and all that. So that's what I've been kind of experimenting. Like maybe I have a thought to like, boom, I can say it in 10 seconds. It just came to me, I'll record it, boom, just to inspire people. So that's my experiment with monologue, short form audio. And then eventually I'll use that to funnel in real guests like we're doing right now. So that's Founder Frenzy. Um, by Dan Boric, and it's uh, it's on Spotify, Apple. It's it's pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Um, I, I distribute it with Anchor, so anchor.fm slash Dan Boric is the link. Cool. Sounds good. Could you just repeat that one more time? Because yeah, I'll repeat uh, the it one more wife. time if someone wants the link. It's just Anchor, so A-N-C-H-O-R.fm slash Dan Boric, so D-A-N-B-O-R-I-C. Um, but if you just search founder frenzy in my name, uh, you, you'll find the podcast. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Well, Dan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, me and I'm sure, you know, all the listeners are going to be, you know, w- excitingly, you know, watching what you're building and I wish you all the best and yeah, well, I'll see you in the virtual world and I'll see you know, stay updated with, uh, two marshmallows. So good luck, Dan. Thanks, Benny. And I'm really excited to eventually meet you uh, in the real world too. Definitely. Yes. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. That'll be the day.